Hello and welcome to the Rouse Review, The City Works, uh, part of this podcast where we're going to get into, where we generally get into topics related to city management and how a city operates. Uh, today is a good topic really for regardless of where you live. Uh, we're talking about safe sleep, safe sleep not for you, but for infants. Of course, we hope you sleep safely as well, but uh, today we're really going to be talking about infant sleep. Uh, we've had uh, a couple of tragic incidents here in the city of Winchester, and it's it's a good time to remind uh, everybody, whether you live in Winchester or uh, somewhere else in the state or anywhere else in the country or anywhere else in the world, uh, this is something that you should take a listen to. And we've got a couple of guests from our Department of Social Services, Aaron and Emily. Let's go ahead and bring them on in. Okay, welcome, Aaron and Emily from Social Services. Um... I don't really know you guys, but I don't think uh, I don't think I've met you. And then, again, if those of you listening, you don't know who I'm pointing to. <laughs> so I've got Aaron and Emily. Aaron, yes, yes, this is Aaron. Say hi, Aaron. Hi, Aaron. No, hi, Dan. How Good. are you? Now, Emily, you say you say something. Hi, Dan. So, okay, so they sound very different. Everybody, <laughs> Emily sounds like this. I sound like this. Aaron sounds like this. Hey. There you go. <laughs> so we're as we chat, if you're like, hey, was that Aaron or was that Emily chatting? Um, now you'll know. And then you all should know Amy's voice. Say hi, Amy. Uh, Amy doesn't have a mic. Amy's not going to say anything, so you won't have to hear her at all. Um, so I have two folks here. Um, Aaron, you've been with DSS for a brief period of time. You're relatively new, right? Yes, very new. And what's your position over there? I am a family service supervisor. Family service Of the in-home team. Gotcha. And you've been with DSS for how long? I've been with Winchester DSS for a little over four months. Four months. Where were you before? I was with the 26th District Court Service Unit. So I was a juvenile probation and parole officer. Wow. And then I was at Clark County DSS Mm -hmm. as an in-home ongoing worker for several years mm-hmm. and frederick county dss prior to that as a foster care worker yeah um okay then emily mm-hmm. you've been here for how long about two years now two years so actually so we probably started right around the same time oh. when when two years ago did you start uh february 2021 uh, i was september 2020 mm. so you've been with two years where were you where were you before um this is actually my first job out of college oh okay um, so and you are a family services specialist three yes what does that mean for the uninitiated it means that i learn very quickly (laughs) (laughs) there we go uh this group is not short on confidence which is nice um but day to day give me like you're the family services supervisor you're a specialist number three Mm -hmm. what is that what's your typical day-to-day look like well, usually, I, so she is my supervisor. Erin is my supervisor. Oh. Um, so day to day, when I'm dealing with clients and situations, I contact her to make decisions, mm-hmm. and we make them as a team. Nice. So, what kind of decisions? Decisions about the families and clients that mm-hmm. we work with. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to give them a little information about what in-home sure. caseworkers do and what types of families we work with? Sure. So I also um, started as a CPS mm-hmm. uh, assessment investigator and an in-home worker. So the start is you get a report about a concern or mm-hmm. safety concern, and I would respond and try and 
alleviate that concern in any way, um, contact supervision and talk about what we can do to help the family move forward from that. Um, and then if an in-home case is opened it, after two months, I believe, if we can't really alleviate that safety concern, then we try and provide services that are more ongoing and that lasts like several months after the original case opened. There you go. Well mm-hmm. put. And just for the record, I do know what you guys do. This is <laughs> more for the people out there that don't know what a Family Services Specialist 3 is. Mm-hmm. But we're not here today to talk generally about what you do. We're here today to talk specifically about safe sleep. Um, now, if you are a parent and you've had a kid anytime in really the last, I mean, safe sleep really became a big concept mm, decades ago, right? I mean, it's been... Because back in the day, they used to have all kinds of crazy unsafe sleep practices. Like our our parents probably, well, maybe not yours, Emily. <laughs> the, uh, our parents, um, you know, goodness knows, I probably slept on my stomach. I probably slept in all kinds of weird crib configurations. I probably slept with a whole pile of stuffed animals. God only knows. It's, I'm, frankly, I'm surprised I survived. But um, these days, and for really for decades, you know, we've been trying to pound some of these safe sleep practices for infants uh, into folks. So tell us a little bit about, you know, why you guys in particular are here today to talk about safe sleep. Because this is a message that, you know, we've been, that's been delivered to parents for, you know, decades now. Why now? So really, SUEDS, S-U-I-D, S. Not SIDS. Suids, very different. (laughs) Sudden unexpected infant death Mm -hmm. is the leading cause of death for infants one month to one year. Mm. So it's still the leading cause of death. Mm -hmm. That's kind of crazy. And we've had, unfortunately, that situation here in Winchester recently. Yes, we have. Yeah. I've actually worked with several families that um, had a child fatality. So. Mm-hmm. first-hand experience yeah. it's really not centered on one specific reason mm-hmm. it's mothers fathers grandparents anyone could yeah. be in this situation so and just so everyone's aware when we say safe sleep i kind of alluded to it what exactly is it you know you can't have them sleep on their stomach uh there's a lot of other things related to the crib what exactly constitutes safe sleep so it's alone apart and always um so you want them apart and always yep you want them alone in their crib Mm -hmm. on their back in clean clear crib or sleeping environment can be bassinet pack and play Mm -hmm. um and then a dress you want to make sure that they're dressed appropriately um nothing too loose Mm -hmm. um no blankets over them and then what if I want to swaddle them up real tight? Swaddling is okay. Okay, that's However, good. if your baby, like my baby, mm-hmm. he's 15 now, yeah. but he hated to be swaddled. Mm-hmm. So what would happen is he would try to get out of the swaddle. Mm-hmm. And what can happen with that is you can have a loose blanket. Oh, and when yeah. children start to roll over, mm-hmm. you don't want to necessarily swaddle. Get all tangled up. Yep. Now, when my, was my older one or my younger one? When he was first sleeping in his crib, he wanted us there with him the whole time. So what I would do was sleep on the floor next to his crib with my arm kind of draped up through the bars of the crib so that he could, like, be touching my hand. That's the only way he would fall asleep. So for, like, two years, I slept on the floor next to the crib. Is that safe? 
Yes. Okay, good. I would I'm consider happy that I safe. I didn't endanger my child. No. That's great. <clears throat> so what else? What else we got? So in a drug-free home. Um, yeah, so and people, honestly, that, that should be com- complete common sense. I mean, obviously there's prescription medication. You got to be very mindful of that and the effects it might have on you while you're providing care to your child. But don't do drugs in a house with an infant. I mean, <laughs> come on. That should be common sense at this point, right? Yeah. And you think about like cigarettes as well and secondhand mm-hmm. smoke. Usually yes. when yes. we do get reports of unsafe sleep environments or, you know, the tragedy that comes mm-hmm. from those, it's not just one thing that occurred it's multiple things it's yeah. not usually oh they were in a crib but there was a blanket in there and that's the only thing that caused it it's mm-hmm. usually you know a multitude of things of drug use in the home yeah. and also the child was sleeping in the bed mm-hmm. or on the couch and just unsafe everywhere yeah, yeah. even and it's not just illegal drugs too i mean alcohol Mm -hmm. you know don't get super hammered and expect to be able to take care of your infant i mean Mm -hmm. it's and especially don't sleep with a kid while you're drunk i mean that's just the height of stupidity at that point so just because we say don't do drugs kind of also extends to being intoxicated on any substance alcohol cannabis or, or whatnot while you are in charge of trying to make sure your kid has a safe sleep environment Mm -hmm. so we've got alone apart which sounds kind of sad, but parents, it's kind of, that's the deal. And what was the other one? On their back. On their back. The clean, clear crib. So no stuffed animals. No stuffed animals, no pillows, no blankets. Yeah. I don't even know if they make the bumpers anymore for cribs. I think those are illegal now, right? They actually are. So um, the Safe Crib Act actually was signed into law May 16th of 2022 pretty recent very recent and so it makes it illegal to sell distribute or manufacture crib bumpers and inclined sleep products yeah explain to folks what a a bumper yeah so a crib bumper are the are like very soft bedding that goes on the inside of cribs and Mm. parents were um you know concerned that their child could get their hands stuck in the crib um bars or they bang their head against the Mm -hmm. little bar yeah they're not going to do that people Right. And and I think now cribs are made with um, shorter distances between those bars, so they kind of alleviated that concern. Mm-hmm. But the bumpers were causing a lot of issues when the child was rolling over onto their sides and still not able to breathe with the bedding. Yeah. And then inclined <laughs> sleep products. Now, <clears throat> I know that sometimes when I'm a little stuffy, I like to sit up in bed a little bit, maybe put an extra pillow underneath me. So why is that not – is that – bad for a baby yeah so when um babies between pretty much birth and one years old it really depends on development it's just good to note that um these inclined sleep products like those um they they sit up at like about a 30 degree angle but it causes their chin to be touching their chest and that Mm -hmm. position really restricts their airway so it's hard to you know know exactly what Mm -hmm. what incline is going to cause that but it's best to be safe and so they've also made those illegal because of the risk that comes with them that makes sense Mm -hmm. so you've alluded to the fact and we we mentioned that we've had an unfortunate uh, a tragic situation in winchester recently uh talk about your experience with that sure so um there have been actually a couple um i don't want to be specific but Mm -hmm. they um the reasons being you know anytime we do get a report of safe sleep issues or any concerns and there's a child in the home under the age of two 
We will give them a brochure of information that they can read, but we also talk to them about what's in that brochure that basically says what we already talked about, that a child should be um, alone on their back in a crib, not in the bed, no bed sharing, um, and always, you know, no obstructions, things like that. So we always give that information verbally and we give it to them written. Mm -hmm. Any family that has a child under the age of two. The issues sometimes that we run into is when parents are not um, open to getting that information. Sometimes they may think this is, you know, their fourth or fifth child, that they understand everything about it. And things change all the time. So Mm -hmm. our purpose is just to reduce the risk. You know, you may not be able to do everything perfectly. Yeah. And like you mentioned, it's it wasn't the same when your parents yeah. were having children. Yeah. But the po- point is to reduce <clears throat> the risk as much as possible. Exactly. Reducing risk. Just because maybe you got lucky for your first five kids, you keep doing things that are not safe. You keep taking risks. At some point, you know, the, the odds that it's going to catch up with you are pretty bad. And, mm-hmm. and we're talking about your infant, too. So... It's not like, oh, I choose to speed a little bit on the highway. This is your kid. Mm-hmm. So it ain't worth it. All right, so we talked about swaddling. Um, wearable blankets or sleep sacks. What is a sleep sack? Well, I touched on that a little bit, but it's basically an enclosed blanket. So you have the armholes, yeah, and okay. then their feet are just, it's a nightgown of sorts, but uh, it's closed okay. at the bottom. So it's not like a, a pillowcase. Like a pillowcase, right. yes, exactly. Yeah, I don't know why. I, I never had that. I never had that for my kids either. They're super Is that a easy, thing? super uh, easy to change diapers with in the middle of the night. Usually uh, they just unzip, and there you go. And there you go. Hmm. Well, yeah, if you want to put your kid in this, call it a sleep sack. I mean, who wants to put their kid in this? <laughs> oh yeah, he's ready for bed. Put him in the sack. I don't. Okay. Um, all right, so. We've got a, we talked about, Emily, our, your experience with families that didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, what is a safe sleep assessment? How about that? Yeah, so whenever we do go to a home and we see that um, safe sleep information should be given to the family because they have a child under the age of two, mm-hmm. I also note that every family should also get the same information from the hospital before leaving mm-hmm. um, because that is one of their um, policies that they don't leave without giving the same information. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's at least twice that they're receiving the same information about safe sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, with firsthand experience, sometimes they won't want to hear it or, you know, I may notice that the safe sleep environment, like the crib, has things that shouldn't be in there. Mm-hmm. So before I leave, I want to make sure that they correct that and show me that they understand what is the correct way to do it and what is not. And um, I have a safe sleep assessment that I carry with me, knowing that I have a little checklist of Mm -hmm. asking certain questions, like, do you know that you shouldn't have these things in in the crib? Or is there anyone in your household that like smokes cigarettes and do they change their clothes after holding or before holding the baby? Hmm. Um, Just questions like that, that they may not think about, but that we want to make sure that they are aware of increases the risk. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say understanding the why, why Mm. are we doing this? Mm-hmm. And and I think our family service specialists do a great job of explaining that as well. Yeah, and the why is your kid could die. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that that should carry enough weight. But you know, when you're a when you're a parent of an infant and you're tired and you've been working all day, and it, it sometimes is real easy to 
just lounge in the couch and doze yeah. off with your kid or you know you're laying in bed you're feeding them and i i tell my families that too i let them know the severity of it that mm-hmm. you know we have had child fatalities because their sleep environment was like what you're representing mm-hmm. or things like that and letting them know that you know i get it like you you want to be as lazy as possible because having a newborn child is exhausting. Yes. You may want to feed them in the middle of the night and then not mm-hmm. put them back in the crib. Or, you know, you t- that one extra step of getting up out of bed just to walk over to the bassinet is hard. Yep. Um, but the reality is the number one cause of child deaths of any age mm-hmm. occur between the ages of one or zero and one. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, whenever it happens, of course, it is tragic. And the circumstances are always different sometimes you know it is just the neglect of the parent but in a lot of cases this happens to parents that are you know mindful thoughtful conscientious parents that just got a little too lax they they took a few too many risks because it's tough having having a newborn having an infant so you do not want to be that parent I mean, that is that is horrific. And you guys, I think, have seen recently firsthand the, the trauma that has on a parent who, uh, mm-hmm. who loses a child. All right, anything else we want to touch on? What, have we hit all the major points? Any takeaways? Where can they get more information? Well, I think maybe what a safe sleep environment looks like. Yes. What yep. we ask families mm-hmm. to do. Yeah, so I specifically... When I go to the home, I make sure that their sleep environment looks appropriate before leaving mm-hmm. and that they understand why that, that that is the correct way to have it. So um, I make sure that there's no uh, nothing obstructing the crib, that there's an appropriate firm mattress in the crib or bassinet or pack and play, whatever they are able to use. I've even heard that um, an empty drawer on the floor is safer than in the bed with the parent. Mm-hmm. Um, just yeah. because it... it just don't step on your kid when you get out of bed. Right, <laughs> right. So any anything that's going to keep that firm space and not obstruct their airways and keep yeah. them on their back while they sleep. Um, and again, you know, I think that it's everyone's responsibility. It's mm-hmm. really not just the parents or us who come into these homes to mm-hmm. make these corrections. If, you know, family members come over and see that, know this information, but won't, you know, the parents aren't convinced. Maybe yeah. that family member can convince the parent we try to utilize family support as much as possible because we can't always be there and you know if parents are gonna relax on what we've told them maybe someone else who can give them this information is gonna save a life you hear that grandmas (laughs) it's on you too grandmas aunts well and babysitters grandpas and uncles too yeah you're also in the mix but grandmas this is kind of your job right you Mm -hmm. gotta tell your kids how to properly raise their uh <laughs> their kid in a safe environment now that being said grandmas you probably broke a lot of these rules uh let's be honest you probably broke a significant number of these rules back in the day maybe and we've learned from them and we've learned from them but now is the time for you to pass along what you learned and make sure that uh you know no one's cutting corners this is definitely an area where you do not want to cut corners and and just because they're alone that we say alone and apart doesn't mean they can't be in the same room you, know, right. you can have a crib in the room if it's mm-hmm. easier for you. S- set up an arrangement that mm-hmm. is safe that lowers some of the burden on you in the middle of the night. You know, Think of ways to do it, but alone, apart, and... Always. Always. There we yeah. go. I knew there was another A in there. I think the most common 
issue that I see isn't even necessarily the crib Mm -hmm. and being inappropriate. It's really the parents that want to share the bed Mm -hmm. or a couch. Mm -hmm. And those have been the most common that I've seen where it, yeah, the crib may look great, may be perfect, have Mm -hmm. the right um, firm mattress and just a fitted sheet, but they still want to sleep in the bed with them. And that completely, you know, makes the Mm -hmm. risk go through the roof. Yeah. Yeah. That's taking out everything that, you know, putting everything on one spot that's going to be obstructing that child's or can roll over on the child. The child will roll over off the bed. Like Mm -hmm. there's more risk there than in the crib because those options aren't there with the crib. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you guys very much. I think we've touched on everything. Anything I'm missing? If folks want to learn more, they should go to which website? WinchesterVA.gov. And then DSS, you can find the Department of Social Services. You can find social services on there pretty easily. And I believe we have stuff up about this because I know we've been posting things online. And we have Safe Sleep 365. Safe Sleep 365. That is a a site as well. Got it. And you can take the Safe Sleep Pledge. Oh, Safe Sleep Pledge. Mm -hmm. Tell me about this pledge. It's a training that I've taken as well. It's a quick training, but it kind of goes over the specifics of what you need to know to mm-hmm. um, maintain a safe sleep environment for children. And you become, uh, because it's a pledge, you kind of get a certificate to yeah. say you're in a safe sleep ambassador and you're supposed to uphold the safe sleep practices whenever you can. Awesome. Awesome. So that, that's not just for parents. That's for everyone. All of those other the grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles and mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. All right. Because child fatalities don't just impact the parents. Mm-hmm. They impact other family members, siblings, and the community. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, everybody, sorry we brought you such a uh, somber topic today, <laughs> but it is an incredibly important topic. Uh, so please, if you want more information, go to the website um, and if you're listening to this and you're not in Winchester, this applies to you too. Just because this is the City of Winchester podcast, this is a uh, this is something everyone should do, regardless of where you live. Uh, and and honestly, I know sometimes some of these sleep practices are culturally based uh, or rooted in family tradition, but uh, that does not save your kid uh, if your child ends up in one of these unsafe situations. So. Uh, please keep that in mind and go sign the pledge. Got it? All right. Aaron and Emily, thank you very guys. Thank you guys very much for coming. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Absolutely. Aaron and Emily were very nice. Well, all of our staff are nice. Yeah. Well, cool. Wow. <laughs> we say that every time. <laughs> we say that every time. But I got to imagine, out of 600 employees, we might have a couple of not nice ones. Yeah. Do you think? We don't hire not nice people. Well, sometimes people might have a bad day. Damn, no. They don't? Uh-uh. We, well, they may have a bad day, but they're still nice people. We have no jerks. Exactly. I'll tell you that. You we have, have a no strong no jerks policy. <laughs> right. So, therefore. So everyone is nice. Exactly. Um, now, today, Aaron and Emily were especially nice. Mm-hmm. They were very good people. And their hearts are in it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And relatively new with the city. So often on this podcast, we talk to city staff that have been here for decades. Mm-hmm. Um you know, four months, two years, relatively new to the city. Yeah. Uh, it just goes to show that regardless of where you are in your career, you don't have to be here for 20, 30 years. Uh, come join us. I know DSS is always, uh, yep. seems to always have positions open. 
uh, and uh, in other parts of the city as well. There, there's always an opening for you to come join the fam here. Uh, so with that, we're going to wrap up uh, part two of the Rouse Review. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. We hope you got something out of it, and we hope you pass along this information to uh, anybody in your family that might benefit from it. So thank you very much. Uh, signing off, Dan Hoffman, City Manager, Amy Simmons, Communication Director. We'll see you around City Hall.